You're listening to the Broadway Podcast Network. Hey, Drew Scott here, and I'm Jonathan Scott, reminding you that life's better with a home policy from American Family Insurance. They can help you get just the right protection at just the right price and help you save when you bundle home and auto. Kind of like Goldilocks and the Three Bears. It'll be just right for you. We love a custom build. American Family Insurance. Insure carefully. Dream fearlessly. Get a quote and find an agent at AmFam.com. Products not available in every state. Visit AmFam.com to learn how discounts may apply to you. American Family Mutual Insurance Company, SI, and its operating company, 6000 American Parkway, Madison, Wisconsin. Hi, and welcome to The Compass, the podcast documenting the struggles of life as an artist. I'm Leah Walsh. My guest today is Juan Francisco Villa. Juan is an actor and writer. He grew up in New York, but he's actually spent a large part of his career in the Chicago theater community. We met through the podcast, funnily enough. He saw a little write-up about The Compass in Backstage Magazine and started listening and reached out to introduce himself, which is great. I love meeting thoughtful artists through this project. We've gotten to know each other a little bit better over the past year while he's been spending time in New York, and I'm really glad he was up for being a guest. He's been very proactive about telling his own story, writing his own story, which I really admire. Toward the end of the episode, Juan speaks a bit about his relationship with his father, who was very sick when we recorded this a few weeks ago. His father passed away this week on September 26th, and we both just thought you should know that while you're listening. So Juan, I'm thinking of you, and we're all sending you our thoughts as you go through this time. Thank you for listening, and I hope you enjoy the 93rd episode of The Compass. What do you do to try to keep from going to the dark side that's as probably, an artist? That's probably why I was all tingly. I was just like, <laughs> oh yeah, that's right. It's weird to know it's coming and then and it comes. Um, very predictable. I don't know. I mean, I, I had sort of sent you some things where it was hyper on my mind. Um, and I can't figure out if I continue, if, if I'm in a place where I'm continuing to give into it like resign to it um or if i do something to control it or to curtail it because for a long time uh i would say from what i call the saturn saturn returns i don't know if you know about mm-hmm. that time in your age where and where something dies and then the other half of it that most people forget is that something new is born. So um, that's where a lot of the suicides, uh, 25 to like 28, hmm. it's usually around then that um, it can be considered the producerial part of your life, where if you've succeeded, you know, succeeded in whatever way that is, by that time, you can have kind of a freak out. Like it's a it's a weird thing to like an existential. It's crisis. something of I'm 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 here. What am I doing? I'm in this place that I've maybe somehow dreamed of for a long time. What's next? Like and and how did I get this whole thing happens? And if you're if you don't maybe ride through that, you can sort of fall apart. I mean, depression is a, is a big thing by that point. And um, on top of that, there's something that I read in a science journal where it said uh at 27 years old supposedly that's the last uh strand of like tissue from your mother 
that is like completely out of your body. I read that a long time ago, and it like blew huh. my mind. It's like twenty seven. So I, like your growing pains like finally yeah. come to us. Yeah, a yeah, yeah. It's like, it's 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 like you're. It's a weird thing to say that at twenty seven, you're you're finally on your own, like physically mm. in all ways. So how do you respond to that? Because I will say at my from twenty five to twenty eight, it was a pretty intense time uh, for me, and so that time I would have answered this question and I would have said no I'm gonna go right at it like why why um because the questions prevent from going or how, do you, how do you how do you try to keep from going there keep from going so that yeah. it sounds like resistance so at the time I would have said no or deal with it however you or, or well, but the thing it, is sure. at, the, at, at, at that age I would have said no I'm not gonna keep from going there I gotta be honest I have to be messy you know um David Mamet is huge for me at that time. <laughs> Sam Shepard is huge for me at that time. Henry Miller, like it's all this intense, hyper masculine, misogynistic, mm-hmm. um, but yet somehow there's some vulnerability in there, uh, weaved in there. And it's, and I was very much of, and I was in Chicago. So, you know, Chicago <laughs> has that reputation, that aesthetic of you go right at it, don't hold back, be fearless. And, now um i don't i don't know it's um i just try to go through it i've also been sober for about three years and uh oh uh today today's uh three years and 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 three years and nine months today oh my gosh yeah so the 31st because the 30th uh was my last uh december 30th uh 20 13 was my last drink and then the 31st it just sort of happened congratulations uh thank you thank you and so uh drinking definitely helped me just like it's almost like i had no choice but to go there Hmm. um which in my mind again with talking about henry miller david mammoth sam shepherd uh bukowski like any um any of those people alcohol alcoholism is a mm-hmm. big thing that you're supposed to just do and be reckless and right. and that's the way the world is it's ugly and you don't don't hide from it and now i don't know i'm trying to see and appreciate all the things that the people who are there uh for me the people who um who give me support who give me love who uh i can rely on who i don't know don't ask for anything but to want the best for me um because me now I, I i just i'm 40 and from me from 10 years ago five years ago um, my circle of friends has has gone from quantity to quality mm. so which uh involves you know it gets smaller and smaller the circle like it's down to maybe on one hand of people that i can rely on which is more than most people so i try to reach out there's there's a there's the dark side which maybe could be the bottom when you hit bottom and there's the steps like oh i know this thing if i da 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 i'll go all the way to the dark side yeah and so it's it's been how do i deal with it when it comes up like i'm trying to um finish writing a play and so i was texting with a friend on the way here and um, she says, well, what's uh, what's on your mind? And I just had to be 
it's a little embarrassing and a little scary to admit to share the the thoughts uh-huh. that go through your mind um which are deeply insecure almost in a, some way uh and i'm already judging it uh childish yeah where it's it's so rooted like it's so intense as a, and it's like oh that's juan at four years old seven eight ten twelve but juan at 40 is different so you know because you can i can feel myself shrinking and begin navel gazing and just kind of like just bow my head and it's not my impulse to walk with my shoulders up and my head up high so um I'm in this place since I moved back about a year ago of either reaching out uh, to friends, um, not necessarily through social media, um, just <laughs> like actually, though I do have that impulse, because that right. goes back to the quantity thing yeah. of let me talk to and so the immediacy. many people. You can get an instant gratification. And, and yet when I see people who maybe do it on social media, I, I am there to support them. I will inbox them and be like, yeah. where to go, man? Like hang in there and all this stuff. But... I don't know if because of where I'm at in my life, it's like, Juan, um, you have to figure this out. These are Band-Aids if 400, 1,000 people say positive things about you. You right. are the one that has to get through this because uh, you believed, because there's this thing that Juan has, I have, of, oh, 1,000 people um, either liked or hard or laughed or whatever those <laughs> those things are and commented and therefore i can rely on them i'm not alone but uh-huh. then you go back to your apartment the play is not done it's like what i somehow have been let down by a thousand people like it will no it only lasts you feel that way for like a half hour and then you're like where's the next and it's intoxicating i mean and it's, it's totally dopamine or whatever it is like you can i i've definitely caught myself doing that checking checking see if it's hard not to. I mean, I, I uploaded a, a, a profile picture today, and it was hard not to be like, oh, I wonder, because I don't do that. And so, yeah, and this and this voice excitement. goes, gets high, and I'm just like, oh, are my friends going to show up? As yeah. we were talking outside, to my, like, personal uh, Chuck E. Cheese party, and we're all hanging out together. Oh, great. Oh, this part. Oh, I haven't heard from them in so long. Yeah. And, and again, it's like, oh, I haven't done this, this, and this. Right. And it's like, no, what is your goal now? Like, that was a goal that Juan, as a kid... Wanted was reaffirmation that it just, yeah. for a lot of reasons, never got uh, satisfied. But doing things, if I write down what what's coming up, because it happens when specific things are coming up. If I'm working on a new play, like just started rehearsals uh, uh, three, uh, two days ago, I think, and the fear of, even though I just did a play that had a ton more lines early this year, of, I don't know if I can... I think my memory is gone all of a sudden. Yeah. I, it just like disappeared. Oh, um, I can't I do that. I, yeah. Oh, I've worked with this director two other times, but I don't know. Maybe like this whole thing, it just yeah. starts happening and it's like, no, just show up, memorize a page and it starts yeah. that voice, you that panic. Isn't it goes that away. strange? I've been noticing, just trying to tell myself, even just in daily interactions and especially now I have this new day job where I'm, you know, around people who I don't really know and they don't really know me. I, I have the impulse to take everything so personally hmm. and just reminding myself to be like, whatever look I thought, I thought they were judging me in that moment or they didn't say this or they didn't smile or whatever, 
I'm sure they were not thinking about me at all. They were in their head thinking about themselves and how people are reacting to them. Well, what do you, what do you think it is that makes you go that way? I don't know. Because, you know, there's, I had for, before I replaced it with a picture of myself, I'm a profile <laughs> picture, I had the thing of the four agreements, and um, which I had come across, thank, thankfully to social media at a time where I really needed to see it. Uh-huh. I mean, that's why this question of the dark side is, um, it's usually loaded with me, but it's really loaded this time. Like my father's been very sick mm-hmm. and, um, uh, I had a breakup a year ago and so I'm still kind of, you know, you have to go through a whole thing of first without, yeah. um, the first holiday, the first, yeah, yeah, the partner. And I just, a partner that was a child we were raising together. So yeah. a first time without a family. So that is a huge trigger uh for me and so i saw i got i came across the the four agreements which i couldn't even tell you off the top of my head but i have to like go to it whenever i if i'm if i'm having a reaction to other people and it's usually i mean if you think about dreams like sometimes when you have a dream it's like oh well that is you thinking that of, like it's a it's like of yourself and so i don't know if i know for Maybe. me sometimes it's like oh they are looking at me like i'm not doing anything they are looking at me like this and this and it's like no i don't there's nothing like that that's just something that's coming up because sometimes uh, being the underdog works better yeah sometimes yeah you can definitely get into patterns like that oh yeah self-pity that uh, uh, oh woe is me is a big one yeah. for Juan. Uh, yeah, wallowing too. is a very, and and I'm not gonna tell anyone to never not like it's like just go through it. But at some point, you gotta figure out like what's gonna get you out of it, or else. And I've been there where I'm like that for weeks. Yeah, I can easily. And that was the thing with the alcohol. Mm-hmm. That was um, it just the as I got older, the lows were lower, and the highs were not as high. Yeah, and then coming. Like if I don't, let's say I had a drink and then it sort of stayed in my system for, it could be two days. I, it, it just was peeling off mm. the, off the bed, even though I wasn't, I had drank less as I got older. Like that bourbon that I was having, um, one, it just was starting to knock me out and then to recover from it and just right not being able to get stuff done. And those voices, that insecurity then become stronger. Yeah. Like the energy to sort of snap out of it. I'm not, there's some people who they can be those extremes, more power to them. Um, but that's not me. I can be, but the way I'm in this for the long run, right? Like it's I'm in, better. It's healthier for you to try to stay more uh, even keeled, even keeled. And, and, and if naturally there's some joy that happens, great. Yeah. But to get caught up in this frenetic energy, which is maybe why I chuck a cheese yesterday. I was like, <laughs> what's going on? These are all lies, kids. These are lies. They won't be your friends don't in three trust years. The mouse. Yeah, don't trust them the West Coast rapping mouse. No. No. Um, uh, yeah. but it's um it, it's an interesting thing. Um and, and so goals helps me. Okay. I don't know if it's about not going to the dark side or if it's about um I don't know. I don't know because I I, I I always talk about this with um people who are going through changes or trying to make choices in their life is um especially emotionally. Um mm-hmm. you ever seen Wrecking for a Dream? 
You know, <laughs> Frankie and I were just talking about this the other night. I saw it when I was too young and traumatizing. Whoa. Were you like 15 or something? I don't, I must have been like 17, but I was a very innocent 17. I know. Every time I hear the podcast, I'm like, man, this is such a different I was, environment. <laughs> I was homeschooled in the woods. Um, but my boyfriend at the time, he had heard it was really good. And we went to like another town that had an art cinema and it was unrated, but they let us in. And I, we must have watched, we probably ended up watching three quarters of it, but then I, I, I say, like, did you even I made us leave and I was like crying. It was just like overwhelming to me. In a lot of ways, I would say. Because the drug stuff is it gets very more, intense it gets for me m- to. Oh, it gets more yeah. intense um, because it's, uh, and then it deals with uh, sex and just power. And it, that thing is all about, you know, addiction and just yeah. um, ambition, power, vulnerability, you know, codependency. Like it's really intense. And I'm sure like artistically, there's some beautiful things about it, but I don't think I could watch it again. It's something it was that a weird moment. It takes me. a type of person to watch that more than once. Yeah. I just recently found out from someone that they watch. They used to watch it every year for Thanksgiving, and I said, "Well, you know what? I, I, that makes sense to me. You ha- <laughs> like you have that where it won't. Like it's I'm, that's what I'm saying. Some people get really about you. You're looking at me that way, and they feed off of it, and they will get their work done, and they will be like just talking about your situation at work, and they just like they get off on people looking down at them and it just Mm. it just energizes them in a way where they get stuff done and there's there are majority of us in like a defiant way you mean yes yes like they almost can't self-generate it out of i need to do this for me it's almost i'm gonna do this in spite of you you people who don't believe in me like someone who and this went i went through this phase for a short bit (laughs) but of putting up rejection letters or something like that where it's like i'm gonna be reminded every day of what didn't happen i'll show you um and in the DVDs extras of Requiem for a Dream, okay. Ellen Burstyn, um, who is phenomenal, phenomenal in the film, she interviews the, I thought he was a screenwriter um, who also wrote philosophy like books, and he talks about suffering, and he says um, uh, that suffering is a human quality because uh, animals, if they're afraid, they just run away. If they're mm. angry, they attack. If they're, you know, there's a sexual thing going on, they just act on it. Right. And humans, we deny ourselves that feeling, whether we have to grieve and we don't want to grieve any longer, um, whether someone is doing something to us and we're afraid and we don't want to show that we're afraid and we, and then suffering hmm. happens. And which is why I say about uh, keep from going from the dark side. It's like, oh, I don't know. I, I, I made myself go to it. And then it's like, no, let me just give in to it. And now it's this weird, or it's, it's this place of, how do I, how do I acknowledge it, right through it, and then, you know, almost like take the energy. Mm-hmm. I'm not a Tai Chi person, but almost taking that energy and converting it to something else. Yeah. And with this flow, as opposed to, ah, exactly. Well, goals. That's a great tool. That's a great it's tool. it's a it's a small thing. Um, and I can't say I always do it um, because sometimes I have a shit ton of things on my list. I have a whole, I take envelopes and I'm just like making mm-hmm. lists and it, it um, then it's about, wait, are you avoiding? There are some big things that need to get done and sometimes I will avoid it. Hmm. But um, did you start, when did you start writing? Well, that's a good question. So I'm curious, because is that an outlet for you? Does that help you? 
deal with whatever other artistic frustrations you might have or is, is it always been an equal thing for you acting and writing I would I would say you know and this is me and no one's saying this to me but it's me being like I've been reflecting about that because I've been applying for a lot more writing things and I'm sometimes known more for I would easily say most people think of me as an actor mm -hmm. um, but I would say I've had a writer's spirit for a long time but was too afraid and at times wrote like in um, high school in English class Mr. Donahue at LaSalle Academy <laughs> or in college where I deeply resisted writing even papers even papers um, and then finally writing probably right when I uh, when I was in a sketch comedy group but wanting to there was like this there's this deep excitement uh, and a deep fear of jotting down th thoughts, characters, what are they talking about? Uh, and so the, I would say the first time I, I started writing would have been in, um, I did Maggie Flanagan studio, uh, it's a Meisner conserv uh, conservatory, sure, yeah, um, here in New York, and I did that 2007 to 2009, and there was um, a solo performance artist, um, Pandora Scooter was there, and I approached her about looking for advice on, uh, I want to write. I just felt like I needed to, to write. I felt the thing. And yeah. the class for two years got me so in touch with with me that it, once things, what I, what I felt were aligning, it's like, oh, I must tell these stories. I don't know how. And she said the basic thing that I tell anybody else, um, and if anyone who's done the artist way uh, would know about it, it's just morning pages. Yeah. Um, it's, it's just... Uh, and I started doing it. Um, she told me that in 2009, the end of that year, at the end of that school year, so that's like June, no, May, and I was going to write about um, my building, a co-op building. I grew up in the Lower East Side over on Allen and Stanton, and it, it was a, it was a, a, a slum house. We had a slumlord, and then took him to court. Like all the tenants gathered together, we were mainly all immigrant families. Mm -hmm. We had one person who was like highly educated, who was maybe second generation, um, and uh, she organized everyone. And uh, there's pictures, and it's just crazy to me. And they took him to court, and they won. Wow. And so, what the that apartment, that co-op, a two-bedroom apartment, a really small one, cozy one. Uh, a little bit bigger than here, um, mm -hmm. but not that much bigger. It would still be worth so, like the rent would be obscene. Could easily be, easily oh, I'm be sure. $7,000. Oh my God. Now, that is nowhere near what my mom is paying. And that's the only She's reason. She's still there. That's the only reason why she can afford to still live there. Yeah. Now, the neighborhood has changed dramatically. And so I wanted to write about the building. And that's how I started explaining it to her. And she was kind of like not taken in by the story. Uh -huh. Like, oh, no. And then, um, you know, because everyone was there for each other and there were immigrants. And so everyone was supportive. <laughs> and then once the, the apartments had value, then everyone started like ignoring each other and then doing things behind each other's backs. And she was like not really listening. And then I said, oh, and then, you know, my uncles, they smoked. They were Colum we were Colombian and they smuggled in cocaine. Then they sold. They were like cartels in the neighborhood. And then they murdered people and then themselves got murdered one at a time. And I'm just saying it like this and she immediately said oh what's that i think that's your story and i said what 
she said, I think that the building thing eh, is fine, but that, because I started as I was talking about it, I got more emotional about it. And she said, that story, it seems like you have to tell. And so she said, uh, for two weeks, do morning pages. When you wake up in the morning for 25 minutes, 20, 25 minutes, just write. Just uh, let your thoughts continue to go. Even if you say, I fucking hate this. I hate this. It's so stupid. I hate Pandora. Why am I doing this? Just continue doing it. I love that her name is Pandora. <laughs> well, uh, uh, I mean, I'll tell you, the name is Pandora Scooter. So say it together because she's also a performance artist. Oh, okay. Yeah, and then it's, it, it says something else where I'm like, oh, that's really funny. And that's not even her real name. Uh, but that's the name she wants to go by. Um, but that's true. That's Which actually... Opening Pandora's I I you. never... <laughs> I was so caught up with the other entendre of her name that I never even thought about that. Oh, I gotta remember that. That's good. <laughs> but it, um, because I was living at, I had moved back to live with, um, so I could afford to go to school. I moved in with my my mom, and it was mayhem. It was mayhem. Um, and so uh, the big thing is don't interact with anyone. And so I did that. I did that for two weeks. And what had just happened also in between talking she with She told her, you not to interact with anyone. It's, that's the thing. It's like you, it's your time. It's huh. your thoughts. Uninterrupted, uninfluenced. Oh, just during everyone's. the 25 minutes. The 25 minutes. I was picturing you no, not No, not for two weeks. <laughs> oh, good luck with that. Oh, my mom would have been like, what's that's wrong with you? Mm, you too good for us? Oh, you want to drink your quinoa and your kale? And now you don't want to talk to us. Okay, I got uh, it. I got no, no, no. She's just saying in the 25 <laughs> minutes. And, uh, and my stepfather had passed away. Um, which is I have a I'm oldest of four. Um, I have a sister Sandra, and a half sister Janine, and a half brother Jose. And like he suddenly passed away, and it really uh, it rocked everyone. Yeah. And I had to tell my mom, uh, give her the news. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I don't think I. That was all right around that time when you started. It, it was like from when I. Uh, approached Pandora and then from when I finally started doing it like there was a time in between I didn't immediately start doing it right and then that happened and my mom it happened on my mom's birthday unfortunately Mm -hmm. and I was leaving like the next day or two days later to um Chicago because I was gonna do a show at the Goodman uh, El Grito del Bronx by Magdala Cruz which is I mean if you're looking at uh, I don't know the universe the energy that's out there it sort of all connects because in trying to f- figure out this thing of uh, am I going to pay for my family's sins from what my uncles did, uh, the play that I had already been cast for, um, it deals with uh, a Puerto Rican kid who grows up in the Bronx, him and his sister. Um, his name is Papo, or, or Jesus, um, also, mm-hmm. uh, which is a common name in the Latinx community. And um, I, our father is a tyrant. He's a abusive, uh, an addict, alcoholic, and I find out my my sister. I'm not. I'm 11, and she's 10, or I'm 12. She's 11. She has a cast, and she never talked about why she jumped out the window. And then she tells me uh, that he had uh, sexually violated her, and so she was running away. And the minute she tells me that, and I'm 12, I just like to hurt my sister. I immediately go. You don't see it, but. I am waiting in a corner because I know where he goes to the bar and comes out and I have a hammer and I hammer him and his legs everywhere all over his body. I come home and this you see me coming in and I have blood all over me and a hammer and then he's crawling like he's still alive and and the mom 
who's had to deal with him. She has this is an ama- amazing dialogue uh, monologue that uh, Migdalia wrote, and Diane Herrera did it in Chicago. And it's she's just standing up on the sofa, and it's kind of distracting us with a story when she's just t- talking. She's just talking, and saying, "All right, we're not gonna call the ambulance because it's just about letting him bleed to death." And then she's mm. gonna, and then she blames it on a junk that a junkie might have killed him. So she never, no one. Um, says that I did it I don't admit it yet I have to live with this Hmm. and then all of a sudden my sister this distance has been created and yet and then we move to Ohio I become an addict I'm using I kill I kill someone oh this uh, covers I was like that's the climax no no (laughs) this is like this is like the first 10 minutes this This is like the first 10 minutes and it's uh and then uh I kill 19 I kill 19 white gas attendants I go on this rampage and I get arrested and um and so the reason I say it sort of fits there but this was all in your mind when this period was going on well yeah well I just mean like I had to do some healing and come to terms with something like Juan is an actor and I do believe if we stack up the plays that we work on, the films, the TV stuff, you can almost create a biography of your life. There's always something in it that you don't realize is affecting you so much or that you connected to that maybe you didn't see the dots. Oh, yeah. You're drawn to if you're the more in tune we are with ourselves of what's important to us, the more without knowing it we're, we're going to choose the things or they the projects choose us because we're trying to figure something out we're, we're trying to deal with something and that play helped me tremendously because I didn't realize I had a lot of judgment hmm. for what my uncles did and so that those journals that I did in 2009 became like the heart of Empanada for a Dream for my solo play so that was 2009 that I wrote the journals 2010 I wrote uh, I took a solo performance class or storytelling class I should say with April Yvette Thompson who also uh, taught at the Maggie Flanagan studio and we did some writer retreats and it's just spending hours just a couple of us she would lead some some exercises and that was another leg for my solo uh, show and then in 2012 a director uh, Alex Levy uh, he was very I shared it with him. I had a history with him as a as a colleague um, mm-hmm. and as a friend, and just to to be like, you know, let me just share it with someone who I don't know who might find some value in it. Um, and he did read it, and he became very interested in it, and he thought there was something there, which of course is like, oh, and then he wanted to workshop it for a company that had started here called Ballybeg, and um, and then him being involved. It was 75% there, and I had hit a wall. I mean, this is actually related to your que- your the question. Uh-huh. I, he helped me go closer to the dark side because going to the dark part of, or darker parts of my life, of my story, which involves my family, helps me come out on the other end to, you know, I don't know how else to put it, to see, see the light, to be mm. cleansed, to see hope. And he did that. I give him full credit. Without that, I was res- I was immensely I was resisting. I was keeping from going to the dark side because yeah. I didn't want to admit some things, some dark. Like I had uh, for a long time, I had nightmares b- before working on a play, and then to incorporate that, write about it, 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 it you know, mm-hmm. and then to 
performance. No, and it's, it's so extremely personal what you decided to write about, which and is it's the not, amazing thing. It, 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 and I'm glad it's connected with people. I'm glad um, uh, I, I do it a lot for high schools. I do it for a lot for inner city kids. I do it for um, I've done it for juvenile detention halls um, because uh, those stories. Like some people might assume something about artists you know uh, i might have some jeans that might not be as baggy as they were on me when i was a teenager because when i was a teenager i think i wore like 36 38 and i was about 50 pounds lighter uh and then now you know i'm down to 34 so they, they fit you know comfortably but to go into a juvie spot you know they and I, I will call it out i'm like i know you guys are looking at me in my outfit and our this and that and the other but i'm gonna share with you a little bit of my story and i will performing if you're looking for an audience who will tell you i want i'm gonna listen or an audience is like ah, who gives a fuck whatever i want to talk to this person next to me and they're all chained up they're all chained up to their uh, seats or desks or whatever it is but just to look at them and make eye contact as i'm i don't change my voice like i'm just like they don't even know sometimes that i even started right and then there's a sort of okay and then i say some things that are that make them laugh i curse uh-huh. um i then talk about within the story some drugs and i think it makes them go oh oh art yeah, can this? be that totally oh i and in some ways i see myself i hear myself but juan i am more interested in hearing about them like yeah. i just want them to i just want to earn their that's so their, interesting their respect and then it's like i want you to find value in yeah. you that is important or else you're you're you are imprisoned here that's really amazing because obviously when you started writing it that wasn't your goal no 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 because that that's like i think every artist should either write you know 15 minute story 10 minute or write their solo play um there's tell their story uh because um i do think we connect it's we, a challenge we, too. It, it, it is, and you, <laughs> and you will, you will be scared. Yeah. And I will. I encourage everyone. It's like, look. Don't worry about us liking you. Like, what we do on the stage, or what we write um, for the stage, or the well, I would say more for the stage, is we are to do the things. People are paying to see the things that they're afraid to talk about, or afraid to act on, mm-hmm. or to think, or to share publicly that's what it's for yeah so the more honest you are i mean you got to then make peace with yourself like i had to make peace with myself of what i was putting out there because going back to the washington post interview the country has changed a lot Uh since well i guess it's almost coming up to a year um i know just like that right well just like that well so it's the election true talking about the election and but it, in a lot of ways, it feels longer because of the primaries and everything like that. Oh, my God. It, oh and, 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 like, I could go down that place where I'm like, what the hell, what the hell? But the other part of me goes, and look, you're still here. Mm-hmm. Everyone is still fighting. Everyone is still resisting. Everyone is da 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 Okay, just keep going. Like, this mm-hmm. is not the end of the damn story. You know, we're not, we don't want it to end this way. It should feed us to do things, which, you know, I know we're jumping around, but Susan Sarandon got a lot of a lot of shit for what she said last year of saying, I hope Donald Trump wins because this country needs to wake up. Everyone thinks that if Hillary gets in that, oh, everything's fine. 
and she got a lot of shit for it. But she, to her credit, she stood by it. And then here we are, and people are like, aren't you glad? Aren't you happy? And she says, no. People are get are out there. There are things that are wrong in this country that were there before he became president. And that's a very extreme thing it's to point very out. Very extreme. But I There's see. A lot of, <laughs> but this but I, is, I see what you're trying to get at. But yes. this is this is why uh, my relationship with a lot of um, friends, especially white friends, has shifted because, and you know, this becomes a big conversation in the non-white community is. Mm-hmm. Yeah, the, the country. There's a lot of people racist in this country. What? What's? The, I don't understand the surprise. Oh, you have not lived through that. Yeah. Oh, you are now seeing what a lot of us have been experiencing, and we might sound like we're defensive, we're too angry, we're too hot-blooded, we're overreacting. It's like no, this has been the case the entire time. Oh, great. Let's let's now we can join together hmm. to do this, that, and the other, and. It's really interesting to see how that all went. So I'm not going to say I wanted him to, to win at all. No way. No way. But there were problems that were in this country that people were in there denial of. Definitely problems. I mean, you can sometimes, and my big spiel that I get into arguments with people about is I think uh, the American theater has done an, uh, a disservice to a lot of the country, especially the big theaters, the Lord theaters that rely on subscribers and big money from companies uh, because the types of stories that they tell it can, in a way, play into the people that are there. And I think for liberals sometimes, too, it's like you might not expect. There's some stuff back there that you're not aware of your point of view. Mm-hmm. And if you, in my mind, if you produce a play like Disgraced by I.R. Doctor, a Pulitzer Prize winning play, that I've had friends premiere it, and they've, done, they've gone everywhere. On Broadway, going up to Broadway. Yeah, if you're going to produce that everywhere. play, and I'm not even going to say Broadway, because Broadway is about uh, for-profit, just like we, we've learned right. extremely with the Comet situation that happened. <laughs> if you do that, any theater that does that play should be producing a play that is about a Muslim family or person that loves being Muslim. And you should do that, because if you start playing, saying that this is the story that's out there, that all majority of Muslims are... Um, not happy with their culture or what they were raised in, that can play into a fear within within the communities that are producing this play nationally. It's a it's a very good dramatic play, but then the love, the joy, mm-hmm. the big one is the compassion. Find those plays that some people might say, oh, it's not as strong or this and this and that. And that. It's like, okay, but you're choosing a season for a reason. What are you saying right. by what you're choosing? Are you gonna find a self loving? That family that is maybe not Muslim, but it's another race, another culture, another religion, but you won't find that. You won't go out of your way to take a risk to tell this other story about a Muslim culture that loves themselves. No, to give a chance to new plays, too. And, and I know. Just because a play isn't famous doesn't mean it's not a, a story that we need right now. And you know, August Wilson talks about that. And sometimes it's difficult where he said, if you want to support a playwright, produce their. their next like 10 plays Hmm. like just commit to that which is why i like that signature does that there are all these theaters that are slowly but surely doing that because you're right i I agree with you well and if and if a playwright only has one play that's ever a hit quote unquote a hit or um is produced what do they do with their career like that's the beautiful thing about what signature does is it, it gives audiences a chance to see how that writer grew how their point of view changed, um, because and, Susie, and not just have it be like about a moment where something no. was popular. Because look at Susie Laurie Parks. 
anybody who's maybe who watched uh, The Last Black Man, and it's a longer title, um, that was just done. Some people have seen it were like a little confused by it because it's a little bit more, um, it's not a kitchen sink realism mm-hmm. type of play. I didn't get to see it. Oh, and it was fantastic. And that's from the 90s. More people will say, oh, Top Dog Underdog. Right. And that's her more, by far, her most accessible play. I like what they're doing with, uh, then it was um, v- uh, Venus, mm-hmm. I thought was the name of it, yeah. um, where it's that play, that's also not a kitchen sink realistic play. She has now the the red letter, A letter, the fucking red letter plays, or it's like adaptation of um, the Scarlet Letter, mm-hmm. and it's two parts, and she, you see her career, her journey of finding her voice, because if you think that one play or two plays are, are the one, it's like, no, yeah. Sam Shepard. You know, if you look at his early work, completely all over the place. He had, I was reading all this stuff. I didn't know he had like 30 plays that were produced before True West was oh, written. He's prolific. It's like off, off, off Broadway. Yeah. Where they, I was reading that they, they, the, the community Gino sensed, and, and the, the community sensed, the off, off Broadway community sensed that he was going up and they like kidnapped, they were trying to kidnap him. Like it's, I mean, it's some shit that would only <laughs> happen. And the thing is he, it was a joke. But Sam Shepard did not think it was a joke and fucking fought th- fought them because he thought he was because they showed up in suits. It's a whole performance art thing, you know? Show up in suits to try to kidnap him because they don't want him to sell out, to, to yeah. be better than them, to or to lose who he is. And then, But look at him now. I mean, he ended yeah. up influencing. Like, now we can look back at his earlier work and just see, oh, this is his journey. But I don't know if nowadays a writer can do that. And I will tell any writer, just produce it yourself. Well, so this is interesting then, because now you've been doing that solo play for a long time now. Mm-hmm. Five years. So it must be a very different experience for you to perform it now, as opposed to when you were first performing it, when I assume it was still extremely new to be that honest, extremely new to like crash through that wall of telling these personal stories. It's, it's uh, you're right, um, because... I luckily I push for for it to be filmed because if I'm going to submit it for things you got to have film footage. And I have one from the first production, I have one from a year later. Uh-huh. And then I have one from a year ago, I think, and I see a big difference. And the big difference is you pretty much described it. The first time doing it, it was pretty much all emotion yeah just raw it was just hyper raw no technique no crafts to be honest no craftsmanship as an actor as a performer but apparently the story came through so the story so as a playwright it's like oh that's strong and then in each show i see clarity with characters because a lot of characters and i have to be very clear and specific where i watched it and i said why would anyone enjoy I, I, I Juan now was judging Juan in 2012 why why would anyone judge his work and his performance why would anyone write this nice review why would anyone why would it sell out 2013 oh that's better but why would it like I start doing that and then I have to flip because that can send me down that dark side yeah. of well what the fuck do you think you're doing now but then I have to switch and just say oh I do do it different now my director Alex pushed me. He never, to his credit, and we just co-directed together in D.C. We, did, we co-directed Jesus Hop the A Train. To his credit, he didn't break me. 
he pushed me and that's a very subtle thing is the difference between you need to do that now to become to do it the what I, what I believe is the best way possible now as opposed to I'm going to push you and push you but it. I'm not going to break you because you need to find it yeah. you need to be empowered and then the next time we work together like he's looking at it long term he's looking at my career long term and for me and I didn't realize this I tell friends because friends will sometimes say I don't want you to see this play whether they wrote it or they acted in it I don't want, I don't want you to see it I don't want to see it or you find out way later <laughs> and I'm like look I'm not interested in seeing your amazing performance. I'm, I want to see your career. I want to see you grow. And sure, there might be some that it's like, mm, I don't know what happened there, but... Look no, at, if, if you're your friend, then who cares? Well, also, even, even people I don't know, I, I might read about them and say, oh, I want to see their career. Right, Maybe, but you're not going to judge them by one performance. No. Now, if they're an asshole then well then go ahead then <laughs> then i'm either if, if i am i be judgmental i might uh i might uh still go watch them but i'm not gonna spend any time with them i i don't know my mind goes somewhere else but i'm i am fascinated by yeah, people's careers because and I, I get weary of people who have like a, a performance that will that will blow you away it's like all right now are they gonna where do you go from there well then do, do <laughs> then you it's like, do you are you content do you or, end up or being are you content? setting yourself up for if if the um if you buy into everyone else's review of your performance are you setting yourself up for failure with the next thing you, someone he, in your you podcast i'm trying to remember who room to grow well it, it's your bar it's yeah. your bar. And someone had, I remember mentioning, and I think I was trying to find it for you, was the, the streetcar named Success that Tennessee Williams had uh, written where yes. he had a, yes. I don't know if it was Glass Menagerie, and then he was making the rounds of streetcar. It was, I forget what the order was. But he, I, rem I remember reading this essay that he wrote, and it's because he drove him, he could feel himself getting content and wanting to believe the mm -hmm. hype and what does he do he's in a nice hotel and he destroys the the hotel room the very expensive hotel room now also there's some other stuff going on there where yeah. he's not comfortable in an, a nice place he needs to be in the muck of it so he can create from that place but there is something i think being content as an artist is there's a difference between being content and being trusting the process you know, because if you trust your long-term career or your process in a rehearsal each day, little by little, I trust that I will continue working on it every day as opposed to what used to happen to me before I got trained at Maggie's, which was, I don't know what's wrong. What's wrong with me? Something's wrong. I'm not getting emotional. I'm not, something's, oh, this thing. And then it <laughs> happens and it's like, oh, I associate it with, I got drunk and then I have a hangover the next day. So therefore I'm just not, I'm not in my head about it. And yeah. it's like, no, you need to have a technique. So, you know, actions, the whole conversation of actions is pebbles in a stream so that the day that you're just not feeling it or it's not happening whatever that you thing is you do the actions and you'll get back on track because yeah. to be a hundred percent honest and truthful great strive for that I, I don't know how realistic it is maybe for film but even that can be sort of done by an editor and a director but for a, a play do the actions and then you can bounce from moment to moment 
and, yeah, and then and hopefully then, do it eight times a week. <laughs> and, and, and then have the the emotional capacity, the yeah. stamina uh, to do it. And then, you know, what I tell people, uh, going back to your big question in the beginning, is be kind to yourself. Mm-hmm. I mean, that's a big thing. Huge. Be, be kind Huge. to yourself. Because for me, yes, I'm interested in your career, in your art, but I'm more interested in you as a human being. Mm-hmm. And because I've seen, I've lost people who maybe were not in the arts, who grew up in the same environment I did, and they just couldn't get out of it. And either suicide happens or OD for a variety, I mean, up to now, you know, mm-hmm. uh, people my age, you know, that I grew up with. And I feel horrible. I've had people in their 40s, late 40s, they three different people who are in different what we could say different parts in their career successful on tv film stage and that person has had a has has a mental problem uh uh, not a problem but they have they just chemically it's challenging and they have to be committed Mm. and then you have someone else who maybe is not in that same place in the career but they also something there's a chemical thing that was going on and they just had a, a mental break, you know, yeah. of running naked out in the street. Then you have another person who is att- attempted suicide and they're different places in their career. I mean, it's something that I think people in all walks of life have to deal with, especially if it's a chemical thing. But it something about being in an artist or being in this industry can exacerbate it for some people because it's so much out of your control and there's so much comparison and pressure and things like that. Oh, yeah. and I. I, So that taking care of yourself is so important. Which is why I tell uh, any, you know, I'm the person that I've given talks at colleges, universities, and um, classes, college classes, where I'm the person who will um, maybe say something sobering uh, to the students because I'm not tied to bureaucracy. I'm a guest that's uh-huh. brought in. So I can say that I know my role. No one tells me that, but I figured out how teachers come up, professors come up to me sure. like, I'm glad you told them that. You don't have to see them every day. Uh, uh, yeah. yeah. And they're not bound by if the, the, the students can be like, oh my God, he said this about me. I want my money back because there's some people who will do that. Not, not about uh, me, but they're professor. So mm-hmm. I can come in and say it and then I'm gone. But... Um, uh, about a story about a uh, um, uh, MFA grad student, not, not that I went with, is another class, someone else's classmate. Graduated MFA, got on TV, did a year regular on this show. Um, what the a manager said, great, you can live with me in the guest house. Here's a car. Here's this. All this stuff. But this person did use coke. Was a big cokehead, and was getting more as the. I mean, the schedule for TV, people underestimated. The money is phenomenal, uh, for especially for network. But it, the hours. schedule is it's long. And you're, it's 95% waiting. It is very true. And you have to, you know, it's like being in solitary. You have to be there. You have to deal with whatever's going on inside and in your head. And just if you're losing sleep, you're you know, taking cocaine, you're drinking, you're not getting sleep, something's going to give. And he was becoming volatile on set. And he eventually... Uh, was fired. So what does the manager do? Move out. Give me my car. So all these people, going back to what I talked about earlier, all these people who were, you're amazing, you're great, you're great. Now they're, they're gone. 
They right. deserve it. They weren't it. really a support system. No, it's for the sake of the business. And all this shit was coming up for him. And he goes to the celebrity, who's a celebrity of the, the A-lister of the TV show, goes outside this person's mansion. Bzz, 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 bzz. Please go away. Please go away. Bzz, bzz, bzz. I want to talk to you. Please go away. Bzz, bzz, bzz. And finally, and that was just the assistant re- replying. Finally, the A-lister comes on and says, you need to go home. This is home. No, to your family goes to his family in a state let's say where uh, <laughs> uh, uh it's not like hollywood and the family knows they put him lock him in, in the room detox him you know it's a mess comes out looks like it's better my uh, a friend of mine saw him in chicago this is why i got this story and i was like oh my god i haven't seen you how are you doing oh this and this and that and this i'm here for a, a, a chicago bears game great he He's feeling better. He goes back to L.A. He's driving, you know, I don't know if you ever drive in the hills. Um, and he's weaving, weaving, weaving. Whew. Off. Goes oh off-road. Lands on a tree. Trees, I should say. The car is is uh, upright, facing down. He didn't have his seatbelt on. Through the windshield, the branches destroyed his body. Oh, my God. So... And I tell this to students. It's like, look, 75% of you won't even be in this industry in five years. 75% of you. And it, for the other 25, like, you got to figure your shit out. You got to take care of yourself. Be kind to yourself. Because if you don't deal with this, whatever's going on here, it's going to catch up to you. And even if you are successful in making money, it, it's only a no, band-aid. nothing's worth that. But the thing is, you know, I could say that, but it's it's up to them. You know, when you're young, you should feel like you're invincible. <laughs> like, that won't be my story. I'll do this. I'll do that. And it's like, yeah, you get into that machine, it, it will well, eat you it up. hopefully it would inspire them to try to be a little more healthy. Get, I mean, go, go to therapy. That's the easiest thing I say. Go to yeah. therapy. I've been in therapy for 28 years, pretty much. And it's it's something I can rely on. It is my time Good. where I can speak freely. And it... It makes a big difference. And so uh, I don't even know why I got into that that tangent. But I think that's an example of, look, I'm, and again, I'm in this for the, for the long haul. So I'm just trying to figure out, oh, I want to produce more. I'm trying to direct more. I'm definitely trying to generate more content. And I want to support the people, help the people who are telling the stories that are not being told. Yeah. Or the people that I believe in that are not getting the the notoriety or, or the attention that I believe they deserve so I can help them come forward. So that's why that's awesome. It's realistic to work on t- they won't look at you unless you have certain credits on TV or film. And I'm I'm doing it, you know. I did Madam Secretary recently and that'll air in October. Like great. And I did my PD, I did my mm-hmm. Blacklist Redemption. Like it's like it's it's fine. It pays really well, but I just know that's building up my credit so that I can get in the room for other things yeah and that's just like the value in it i hey i earn it i am blessed i'm grateful but i writing to me brings up the most well that's what i i love that you're balancing it out you're still pursuing that stuff you're still you know trying whatever ways you can to pay your bills with the acting but the fact that you've created your own work and that you're continuing to write and which also in turn gives you acting opportunities since Mm -hmm. you're performing your own work Mm -hmm. I just think that's so powerful. That's what we but should I, all be doing. I prefer writing for actors. 
for other yeah is that what you're doing more now yes yes that is started with the one man show i started with the one man show because i had to tell that story yeah and talking about dealing with the stuff the fear that comes up my family went to the first performance workshop performance and i the way in my head the story was supposed to go is that no i'll go through a workshop here workshop there then years later it'll be on broadway like john like i'll invite them and to that's opening when they'll go night. and they'll be like oh my <laughs> god so thank proud. you for telling this story <laughs> no first workshop because they were so excited they and were my, excited about it oh, they yeah. weren't like it wasn't like don't tell the secrets no no no. i had, don't asked, tell I had the asked my mom for permission <laughs> okay good. i had asked for, there's some things i didn't talk about that i felt weren't my stories yeah and um my mom cooked Empanadas. She made empanadas. She made chorizo. She made her pique. And I was freaking out. And I said, all right, what am I afraid of? Sometimes naming the fears is actually good. The goals is one thing, but sometimes naming the fears. And Uh it was my friends would uh, just say, fuck this guy. I don't know what's wrong with him. I can't be his friend. Um, The community, the theater community would never hire me again. I'd be blacklisted. And that um, my family would disown me. And I said, if all those three things happen... Do I still feel the need to tell this story? Is it still worth it? And everything in me was like, yes, you have to. You have to tell this story. <laughs> and luckily, those three things did not happen. There Do people look at me weird? Sure. But uh, it's done the, like, the complete opposite. But I had to like name them because I didn't know what was... Good for you. No, that's a really good tool. No, it, it's, it helps. Sometimes it'll be the same thing that comes up. Because yeah. even now, in writing, trying to write finish these the this play this it's it gets immensely uh complicated um we could talk forever but i wanted to i want to talk about what what you just started rehearsal for (laughs) because i don't want to start you you know in the interviews i always hear like like oh it went so fast like oh wow you yeah it really does no you're very you're very present you're very grounded (laughs) and i I like listening it it grounds the other person to be like oh i have to like meet her i mean meet her here thanks Okay, can we do? I want to hear about the play you're working on at the public. Mm-hmm. That's so exciting. But just can we do a quick, a quick question before that about why you decided? Because you were in Chicago for a long time. You grew up in New York. You went. You were in Chicago for a very long time, and then you just came back to New York for this past year. And that's when I met you. Yeah. Because you, which I love that now we know each other. Do you remember, do you remember, how, do you remember how I found out you about saw, you? Because you saw an article in Backstage or something in I, Chicago. I, I will tell you because it's, about an, the it's, podcast. it's interesting because it is that. But it was, I had something I wouldn't have done when I was much younger. I was in the midst of li- leaving an agency, a talent agency, um, and was meeting this new agency that I, that I was about to be interviewed Ooh. with. And I was sitting there for a long time and stuff where it's like, that moment where it's like, oh, this is now the stuff that I maybe felt good about is starting right, to creep in. Right. Oh, let me grab a magazine and distract myself and not keep going over lines or anything like that. And backstage, and I don't know if you were on the front. I feel like you were in the front. It's like I definitely was not on the cover, but but it somehow was in there. I just it might have been the first couple of pages, and I said, oh, podcast. I love podcasts, and I just went to it, and then I said, oh, the dark side. Like people are so afraid about talking about that yeah what is that about and then i started listening to it and then i just i think that's when i reached out well and you had reached out to me and then you came to new york 
not too long after that, but about a year ago now. No, it was about, about that time. And I thought when we met up and had coffee that you were just planning to stay for like six months or something and go back. And then now here you are and you've, you took, you were in DC and now you're back and now you're, you got to show at the public. Well, I mean, cause, cause then you're saying about me being how I jumped around. And yeah. All like that. what made you decide to stick around longer here? Well, I didn't want. I didn't think I'd ever come back here. Um, and I think it was related to everything I grew up in. I, I attached the feeling of the stuff that I went through with the entire city, but it's really one small neighborhood. And right. so, um, <clears throat> and also I, I came to terms with that I had very little self-worth and I, there were things I dreamed about doing on the stages, what stage to or theater to work at. I never truly believed I deserved to be on it. Mm. So if you were to listen to Juan years ago, Juan would be complaining about some things as opposed to actually taking steps and and doing the thing to get seen. So I've been through a lot the last, since the solo show, I'm telling you, the solo play empowered me in a way where it just became it's not about dreams Juan this is about the things you you deeply want there's an immigrant humility that can come uh, when a family immigrates here of just don't rock the boat don't draw too much attention be grateful for what you're given for what you're in some ways given yes Mm -hmm. you have to work for it but don't ask for too much right which is heightened now with the way the 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 presidency has gone and so and it and it does it's if it 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 scares me, which is why I like going out there to empower people. But um, things changed where I just thought, no, I can, I can be on that stage. What am I, what am I doing? Why am I? I do want this. I just don't want to admit it to myself that I want more. I wanted more, and so I had to just be honest with myself huh. because there, there, there can be a thing where. If, if you were to, to tell me about this, this after knowing each other for years and you would say, oh, I'm going to go to this place to do this thing, I would be like, fucking great. Yeah, you should. Go for it. But if I was, it was on my mind about going to that same place, I would be afraid of how you, in my mind is how I, I, I twisted it, I'm afraid of what you're going to think of me, that you're going to think that I'm better than you, that mm. you're going to this, you're, and I'm going to be abandoning you. And you're going to be mad that I, like, is this, and again, it was me projecting my own shit. Yeah. Had nothing to do with the other person. Because maybe there are some people who will say, why are you, oh, you think you're better than us? But who cares? If I believe, if I believe in it, I want it, I truly do, then it doesn't matter. Then those people, why do you want them around? And so when I was going to be here only for a few months to, to really explore the on-camera stuff, it's because it's only a small... I'm not. I wasn't in my mind. I didn't think <clears throat> as a as a Latino actor in Chicago uh, for the on camera world. I didn't think I was getting the types of roles that I wanted to do and des- I felt I should be doing. Uh, it's either extreme version of a gangbanger, yeah. or it's an, or it's a very closed up, you know, clean cut person. And I'm this weird, not weird. I keep using that word. I'm just middle ground of where I'm sort of my You're accent is what it is interesting complex I, I I like that positive side so <laughs> I just realized let me I was watching Mr. Robot I was watching all these shows and I just said I want to go to where 
that is happening. So I was only going to be here for a few months. And then um, things changed. Uh, my living situation was very, uh, was a very um, favorable one. And I just thought I should stay here. And I loved being with my family. And I just thought, let me lean on my family instead of friends. And then I want to hit the ground running. And I was great. contacting friends, contacting friends who were just friends I worked with before and now years later, their status has, you know, they're in the New York Times, they're into this. It's mm-hmm. like, oh, why should Juan feel weird? Why should I feel weird about contacting them? I was friends with them way yeah, they're before. they're your peers. But when I was younger, I would have said, no, they just, they probably yeah. don't want anything to do with me. Yeah. So it's been about when I got back of, I want more. And if I want to have an influence in the world, if I want to uh, tell the stories that are out there, I need to perform at a place like the public theater that I've always dreamed about. Perform at the signature, perform at Broadway would be great, but I need to do that while trying to push for, because the on-camera world, that's how you have a bigger reach. Mm-hmm. That's how you can influence more people. It's true. And, and I thought it, I, it's also how you can just pay your bills. And and too. then there's and that. And let you do the kind of plays that you want to do that might not. There's that reality. I didn't think I was going to do this many plays when I got here. Yeah. I made a commitment that didn't go very well of I'm not going to do theater unless it's dot, dot, dot. Right. And then I like this play at the public. Just yeah, with, tell, tell me about that. It's Oedipus El Rey. Uh, it's an, uh, by Luis Alfaro, directed by Che Yu. Che is artistic director at Victor Gardens. He's just beginning his seventh year at Victor Gardens. Oh, okay. Uh, and um, it's an adaptation of the Oedipus story. And it's not just setting it in just sort of a Latinx community. It's it's sort of like a conversation between the past and now, meaning that's the way we look at it. But the story does take place in uh, in East L.A. and in California mm-hmm. and deals with the, 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 the gang culture. And so I play Laius, the, the father, the tyrant, the king, and, and a coro. I also play like a chorus kind of character um, throughout the play. And um, it's also a co-production with Soul Theater Project, which is a new theater company here. And they've, um, they've done, this is their third production. Their first one was Alligator by Hilary Clemens, okay. uh, directed by Elena Aloras. I can't remember her name completely. Second play was uh, Seven Spots in the Sun by Martin Zimmerman. Um, I, oh, I can't remember this woman's name who directed it. She's from Canada, though, but she stayed at Rattlestick. So okay. it's creating partnerships with these off-Broadway companies. That's great. To sort of uh, and sh- and have a variety and diversity of, of Latinx stories being told to establish these relationships. So hopefully these playwrights, going back to what you were saying about new plays, yeah. they can now get to know them and build a relationship. That That's will, great. Well, yeah. and the public is so large now. It's like the biggest of the off-Broadway theaters that it's almost in its own category, I feel like. Oh, I, I mean, which is why the you know? the living wage, you know, thing, uh, um, um, contract that, that, and we're the, we're, this production huge. is the first one that's Fantastic. happening because it's in the Shiva theater. That's great. And so it, it, I'm, I'm glad, and we're all No, but to thrilled. create uh, partnerships with someplace like Rattlestick, which is established but tiny and scrappy. Yes. You know, like, um, that's really great. They just got, Soul Theater Project just got another grant. Like, they've, Jacob Padron... Uh, David, Claudia Costa, like there's a whole group, and especially Jacob has a OSF. He was at OSF. He was okay. at the public for a long time, mm-hmm. um, and he's, I think, taken it upon himself and has has mentors who've groomed them to get to this place where anybody who has met him 
will be like, oh, yeah, duh, this is definitely what you're going to do. So it's not the typical ground up where you're starting with no money. Like he did it. He was very, I think, very smart. The company, I mean, might as well start with X amount of dollars. Lin-Manuel Miranda joined in and donated a bunch of money. And there was... There was a company, they just got $100,000 now for, they're going to do 10, 10 or 12 plays, I can't remember. That's what they're going to do. And um, and then supposedly that's, that's How it. How exciting to be involved with that. Oh, yeah. And uh, it's, uh, I've seen this production five years ago at Victory Gardens in 2012, right before I did my solo play in Chicago. And I was blown away because even though I... They did it that long ago. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. Because even though what I said earlier... I was having doubts before performing the show in Chicago of, am I too big? Is my story too epic? Da, 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 all this shit. And then I see that play and it is all epic. And it speaks. <laughs> yeah, it, of it, course, it, based on Oedipus. Oh, and it, yeah, and it blew. And my, and like, Alex, I'm not the first one to have an epic story. I mean, my direct, Alex always said, oh, it's very Greek. And I just like, whatever, like that just sounds, that sounds smart. That sounds like a Grant talk. Like it's not. <laughs> like I just started my mind, I believed what media was telling me. This is typical. You're worth this. You're worth that. And it's like, no, there is something there. And watching Oedipus then, I mean, it blew me away. Hmm. And so once I saw this was being done, I had already worked. By this, from five years ago to now, I'd worked with Che twice. I worked on Mojada by Luis Alfaro, which is an adaptation of Medea. Um, because he always held on to that uh, Medea was always an outsider. Like she, like in the in the original Greek story, she immigrated to right. where she's at. She's an outsider, so he hooked onto that. And so it's about the immigration here. And, um, and then uh, I worked with Che again on uh, Lucas Nath, talking about Doll's House uh, Part Two. But Lucas is uh, Hillary and Clinton, which was produced when the primaries were going on last year. And now with how the election went, I mean, there should be people fighting to produce that play which maybe that's what's going on i haven't talked to lucas uh in in a a bit but um uh so i had already done two shows with che and then luis 14 years ago he had a play called his first greek adaptation electricidad adaptation of electra and that's how i met a lot of people um including teatro vista but i understudied for that show i understudied oedipus and so my hit and then i got to know him you know you just create like a relationship and I know That's that plays a role. Way. That plays a role in being cast, aside from whatever I bring uh, to the table. But that's why I tell people, don't just go to New York City. You can go to these other places. Chicago is a big one. But if you, you have to have a work ethic, you have to be nice to people. And you <laughs> ha- talent is sometimes the last thing. Like, if you, if you have all this talent and you're a fucking asshole and your work ethic is shitty... I mean, good luck. And even if you are talented, like, you better be a genius for people to put up with your shit. Yeah. And I think that carries for anywhere. But, um, the, the, yeah, so that's how, that's what we're at, where I'm at up to, up to now. That was my quick version. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, are you excited to be back in a rehearsal room? Yeah, man. Um, I'm having the... I mean, obviously, we haven't performed on the space yet. And I only say this because... No, and you're just getting started, I know. Well, but it's just... Going back to... It's not demystifying what the public is. The public theater. But it's just... It's a theater. You've been doing... Nothing is different. And I had that... When I moved to Chicago, my goal was to perform at Steppenwolf. 
That was like my big goal because I had seen True West, a PBS taping of it. And I said, and I seen a documentary on PBS about Chicago theater. And I said, those white people are like Latinos. They are emotional. They're, they're crazy. They're this, that, and the other. I want to go there. I didn't know anybody there. And within a year, I got called in to audition. And actually, uh, <laughs> I got called in to audition. I went to the theater to audition. The doors were locked. It was a Monday. I was freaking out. I didn't know where to go. And this woman came out and said, excuse me, do you need some help? And I said, I'm, I'm, uh, yeah. She's like, are, are you here to audition? I said, yeah, yeah. I just, I thought it was, this is Steppenwolf, right? <laughs> I mean, I see the big fucking awning. And she's like, yes, but the auditions are across the street. I'm going there if you want me to walk you. I said, okay, thank you. And and we're, and we're walking. It's just across the street. And she's like, um, so how, where are you here from? I was like, oh, I just moved here from New York City. She's like, oh, uh, so you know uh, our uh, Steven, Ali Girgis? I said, no, I didn't know anything about him. Um, I, I just looked, started looking him up. I went to an internet cafe because I don't have internet. I just started <laughs> talking. And, and she's like, no, we're very excited about this partnership. He's an exciting voice, all this stuff, Labyrinth Theater, all this stuff. And then we get to the building and walking up. And, and uh, I said, thank you. I'm sorry, what was your name? She's like, oh, I'm Martha Levy. I said, oh, okay, thank you. <laughs> Not knowing that she's the artistic director oh, of the God. theater company. But um, uh, uh, but I the last preview I was understudy. The la- you don't get any rehearsals as an understudy. Uh, well, at least it was for like this, uh, where you don't get a rehearsal until the show opens. Uh-huh. So the last preview, two shows. In between the two shows, we have a potluck, and of course, what happens in between? My friend who I was understudying, Eddie Martinez, he gets like he's swelling up and he's trying to figure out did anyone bring peanuts anyone have peanuts in the mole because in mole you can usually use peanut oil or not and then of course we're all talking about it and he's like his eyes are gonna pop out and then of course it's ambulance all right you're going on (laughs) it's the dream and i was scared out of my mind and they walked me out on the stage to just go over the blocking and i was like oh nothing it's just a stage it's just a stage so it he, happens to be called Steppenwolf. And it just it has the notoriety and the history. And here I am at the public yeah. where I, I, I'm excited. And, but, yeah, I'm working with familiar friends, and I trust my, yeah. my, my uh, tools, my instruments. And it just feels like that. But, I'm so, but it's going to be another thing at that Good October 3rd performance. October 3rd, everybody. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean, the whole thing Don't is sold out. Um, Wait, already? Uh, it sold out once they announced it. Uh, October 3rd to November 19th. All right. Um, but get your, uh, rush, get your wait list. Rush I think by the time on. this is released, it because uh, we were just told uh, it's the, the extension is going to go till December 2nd or 3rd. Oh, fantastic! And if you if you uh, today ticks is a good way to do the lottery to get it. Um, okay. And uh, I. I think it's gonna be a fucking kick-ass show. I'm so excited. <laughs> you, for you, you guys will see it. I, I, we'll I'll, get it. We'll, we'll get talk it. Our friend Joel's in it too. Joel Press. Yes. Yeah. He and Frankie are friends. I don't know him as well as Frankie does. He's but a, he's such a sweetheart. He's a cool dude, man. He's really I, I've sweet. really the cast is a it's such an intense show, and I and I this is what I mean by being an asshole. And if you have one person who's kind of maybe that moody actor, the diva, it can just fuck up. There's already it's just. Mike Nichols said it best. I've been in this long enough. I just want to work with people I get along with. Yeah. It's just not. It's not worth it. Worth it. So, but Joel, Joel is uh, Joel is awesome. Yeah, he's Joel wonderful. Is awesome. He's got a great role. Um, 
there's I mean there's so many more things I wish we could talk about but we gotta wrap it up we gotta wrap it up um are there any like books or music or anything that you go back to like if you're if you're having a day where you really can't get out of bed or if you're being hard on yourself about an audition or something like something that'll lift you up it's interesting um uh actually I thought uh what Frankie said in the interview with you his story of a, uh, I think he named the show, but of the TV thing, of the accent, having an accent mm-hmm. or not. I thought he named the show because I think he did the role. Um, oh, yeah, 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 yeah. And, and uh, I, I'm telling you, <laughs> he that won was, the argument. <laughs> he, he won because I, um, I recently had an audition for a show that's been around for a while. And I was trying to do, without them asking, I made a choice. It wasn't an accent thing, it was something else. And they called me on the spot. We don't want to play stereotypes. Like they just called, they just said it flat out, and it kind of threw me. And I, I I left, you know. And I did my adjustment, but I think I was kind of caught up with what did I do? Did I sell out? Did I this that? Right. And did I, they perceived your choice as being a stereotype. I think I don't think it's the best thing to say, but that's you know when you're in that room and uh, directors and all that stuff, you never know how it's going to be. But Instead of me walking away, because I was feeling, I was beating myself up, I thought about just what Frankie said. And I have to remember that of, even if I don't get the role, I have to walk away with my integrity. So I know it's not a book, per se, but I think about that because if I'm going to keep doing what I'm doing, um, pursuing what I'm pursuing, I have to hold on to that. Because that is, I mean, listening back to X amount of minutes of what we've been talking about. This is what we live and die by. But the four agreements is a a big one, uh, personally. Um, I recently, um, I watch a lot of plays that are majority non-white cast yeah that's a that's a, there's a moth, a moth. Here. Yeah, it is All it's right. like oh it's night time <laughs> um but uh non-white cast like i try to watch as many yeah. as possible whether they're playwrights or directors um that's great out of support and also to just experience new stories i'd seen the cost of living martina majok uh-huh. which was phenomenal it was great so, so you saw it yeah we saw it oh that moment in the bathtub uh-huh. when she slide I, it just to watch people that I haven't normally seen on stage yeah, it was, great. Um, was inspiring and then just written amazing and they acted the fucking shit out of it like I forget the I really enjoyed it oh yeah uh, I thought that was phenomenal Moonlighting Moonlight I thought uh, an example of compassion mm-hmm. because I didn't realize and I think about it a lot this is with your question I think about it a lot when I'm realizing what is the narrative that I've been told and that I've accepted which is yeah. if someone hasn't seen the end of the film I thought I kept there was this tension I had with the story where of, of violence that was supposed to and that was me of but that was supposed to happen and for it to go the way it go the film I thought was beautiful and it made me walk away reflecting on whoa yeah, why did you expect that even though I know people who have that kind of relationship why am I exactly expecting this and almost wanted it in a way that that's one thing that i uh that i go back to um and time with uh going back with my father who is i i I can say i don't know if it's comfortably but i can say that he's sort of the what i consider the dark side yeah i look at him alone right now and not wanting me by his side as Juan, you're not that, but you're not that far off. 
you could easily go that way. Do you want to be that way? No. Yeah. So who's the other side? It's my mom. My mom, I used to criticize her for being so compassionate to give her shirt off her back. I felt people were taking advantage of her and I actually got, I would get angry at her. And now I want that superpower. Yeah. Like that's her superpower. So I yeah, try to- It's beautiful that you see that. Talk to her. So I try to yeah. go to her and talk to her and my family just with like the Chuck E. Cheese thing with my nephew yesterday. <laughs> and it was great just to be around them and I get so caught up in the industry and I work because as a self- uh, um, independent artist um i have to do my own work and be on top of it because i could easily be lazy like a motherfucker <laughs> like my 20s and just like not do anything but um i can just stay there so being with them just gets me like yeah even like this this beautiful dr seuss book that you have here holding up the <laughs> mic you know like it's the the few years i had raising a child it totally gave me perspective uh, are you so scared of the moth <laughs> It'll be there. It'll be there. It came from over there. It was hiding over there somewhere. It won't. It, you'll be okay. Have it's you okay. watched scary movies with the moth or something? On me. <laughs> but uh, uh, no, no. It's solely by the um, but um, um, uh, a child gives you perspective. It, yeah, totally on does. what's important. Totally does. Big time. Um, and then, do you have any shows that you've seen recently that you want to recommend or that friends, still friends things or things in Chicago? Oh, uh, Simpatico is about to be done at McCarter. It's a Red Orchid production. It's a, by Sam Shepard. Um, you know, the name that will pop out, not just Sam Shepard because of him passing away, uh, but uh, Michael Shannon is in, is in it. And so, but the original company of Red or- that was in the original cast, which I saw four oh, years ago, they're all, they've been rehearsing in Chicago and they're coming into I town. I love the McCarter. And so l- look for that. It should be maybe in two weeks maybe mid-september maybe by the time this is out or okay. it'll be running by the time this this episode is released great and i would say definitely check that out uh, i've seen him on stage and he's he's a yeah. beast and Incredible. the company is a phenomenal company what oh uh, uh, i'm part of a company called inviolate theater um and we're about to start performances of a play called neighbors by bernardo cubria who had an off and on theater podcast that he had for a while before the election where he made a change to not do theater podcasts and do more about activism. Um, But it's his play uh, about a Mexican neighbor and a white American neighbor, and it's satirical. I think that'll be a blast. But uh, in Violet Theater, uh, you can find some information about that. Um, uh, I know there's there's more, but I would say Hamlet I saw. Oh, I didn't get to see it. Frankie uh, did. I oh, I would be very curious to, to hear your <laughs> thoughts because I, uh, I I definitely have a competitive streak with Mr. Isaac, but <laughs> I'm also an admirer. Like, I'm blown away by him, and it was just phenomenal to experience that show and to not, as as a production, not give a fuck because some of the detail details about what's yeah. done to treat the stage the way they do. Mm. I mean, it was it was just. It was just it was just a really cool. fascinating experience, and I really really um, enjoyed that. And um, I don't know, Atomic awesome. Atomic Blonde was awesome. <laughs> <laughs> Random, but it was like really cool. <laughs> well, Juan, thank you so much for doing this. Yeah, I, pleasure. It's just yeah, so great. So glad we no did. No problem. the compass podcast patreon page and if you find the conversations fostered by the compass valuable to your life as an artist 
please visit patreon.com slash the compass podcast and you can become a patron and be part of the driving force behind the next chapter of the compass thank you so much to everyone who's already pledged and who's reached out with their support i can't tell you how much i appreciate it thank you for listening to the compass podcast i'm leah walsh more episodes are coming soon please look for us on facebook in itunes i'd like to thank the following people for their generosity the Compass cover art is by Kim Miller, music by Brendan Spieth, audio assistance from Nick Choksi, and a special thanks to Frankie J. Alvarez. See you next time. Hey, it's Leslie Odom Jr. here on the Broadway Podcast Network to tell you about the RISE Theatre Directory, a program of maestro music. RISE is a national online resource designed to connect and empower backstage and administrative and creative theatre professionals from underrepresented backgrounds. If you work or aspire to work in the theater community, this can help you find your next project. And if you hire theater professionals, search the Rise Theater directory to find your next team. Create your profile now and get more information by visiting risetheater.org. That's theater with an R-E-R-I-S-E-T-H-E-A-T-R-E dot org because only together we rise.